0: All right, this is Gary Parish again from CBSports.com. It is Friday, it is March the 6th, and this is the Ion on College Basketball Podcast. And I'm joined, of course, as I am usually on Fridays, by Matt Norlander and Sam And We have uh, decided not to record this until the afternoon. It is now the afternoon, a little after 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, because of the Syracuse sanctions that were announced today by the NCAA. It seemed pointless to get up early this morning. Basically, it just seemed pointless to get up early this morning, but it seemed (laughs) pointless to get up early this morning and do a college basketball podcast, given that the big story in college basketball would be Syracuse, and that wasn't announced till the afternoon. It has been announced. Matt Norlander, you handled the news side of the situation, so uh, for folks who might be somewhat unfamiliar, why don't you detail us uh, what Syracuse is facing?
1: Sure. And I got to say, I love that we've got to devote most of this podcast to this kind of stuff in early March, but that's the news and uh, and here we go. So the NCAA hits Syracuse. Um, the big headlines, in my opinion, are Beheim has to sit for nine ACC games next season. That's not the first nine games in that usual Cupcake Syracuse schedule. It will be nine league games. Uh, they do not have a further postseason punishment it will only be this year. Uh, they will be on five years probation. Um, in my opinion, an underrated punishment uh, in this regard is they can only have two coaches on the road recruiting uh, until 2017. That's certainly a ding as opposed to the normal four. They have scholarship reductions, which I know G.P. is going to get into here, um, and they can kind of choose when they are going to uh, implement these scholarship reductions up through the 2018-2019 year, but it's three per season, and they can decide if they want to Basically, effectively put that into motion, or wait a year. But regardless, um, that is an absolute killer uh, for for a sport where you have 13 scholarships per year, and you lose three of those um, in hoops. That uh, that certainly does mean a lot. There's also other things. I mean, they have to. They were fined $500 per game for every game they played with an ineligible player, which amounts to, as reported, at 100 and uh, 106 or 108 games that he had vacated. To Jim Beheim um in fairness
0: let me stop you there for a second yeah now now com- uh, compare that to what they make off one thirty six thousand oh, dollar game yeah. at the carrier dome it's, it's that's that's
2: actually relatively pennies but I, I, but I still agree, but also it, the it, fact that they don't have to pay out scholarships to these kids too also yeah. they're going to be losing them
1: very valid points i i brought it up because it's a weird i, I no, can't sure. remember that happening as a punishment before um it's retroactively finding programs five hundred dollars for games that. That, uh, that they were featured in. But yeah, Beheim's win total gets docked more than a hundred. Uh, he'll never catch K. Um, there, There's a lot here. And what's interesting guys is that I'm actually hearing kind of both sides of it and that they got hammered. And I, I can't disagree. They got hammered, but there's a lot of cynicism in that the NCAA and Syracuse, they sat down and they, and they almost bargained some of this stuff in terms of the timeline here. Pat 40 on the call today asked, Why, if the investigation dated back to violations as far back as 2001, why are we not seeing anything go into play until 2004, essentially, and we find out that, you know, only a few weeks after their national title in 2003, (laughs) did this really kick in? Um, So it's actually a pretty interesting case overall uh, and and pretty big newsmaker here for for Bayheim and the future of that program.
0: Sam, I want to come to you real quick. First things first, the timeline of um, what is – uh, uh, the NCAA was allowed to consider starting <laughs> literally weeks after Carmelo Anthony led Syracuse <laughs> to a national title.
2: It's pretty hilarious.
0: It's hilarious and shameful on some level. Like It's the bookend,
1: uh, by the way, just to cut you out. The, the, that and then their 2013 uh, Final Four still stands as well.
0: Right, I know. So they get to keep <laughs> their championship banner and they get to keep their Final Four from a couple years ago. I mean, the idea that, first off, What like you know what a negotiation is? A negotiation is like okay, um, you want me to work for you, and I would consider working for you. Now let's negotiate. Okay, you offer this. I say nope, nope, nope. And then to do what you want me to do, you have to give some. And then to do what I want you to do, I have to give some. And then we settle on something and whatever. What was Syracuse's position to negotiate from? What are they? What is Syracuse negotiating?
2: It's clearly that uh, the 1919 World Series only took two months to investigate, and this one took nine years.
1: Yeah, so and this that,
0: is what that's, the
1: Syracuse chancellor invoked.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, I just don't get the idea that, well, you know, we had to negotiate with Syracuse. No, you didn't. I like, know. Yeah,
1: the thing. It's, almost can't, like, it's almost like a lawyer representing its client, and they're trying to get the, the sentencing down for 15 to eight years. It was a really weird facet to this. And to be honest, the NCAA on its conference call wasn't completely forthcoming with its reasoning there. Um, they were, you know, they were OK in kind of explaining what they did. I mean, I, we should mention here um, that this was also a negotiation in terms of Syracuse's violations happening during an era when protocols in place for the NCAA were not as harsh as they are now. Right, And they said, had this been in the modern era, all this stuff, I mean, Beheim would be looking at a one-year ban. They'd have higher scholarship productions, longer probations. And I'd be remiss if I didn't actually mention, uh, and GP and Sam, you can uh, react to all this, but there, there are so many things in here. This is not just one thing that happened over three or four years. We're talking about Multiple failed drug tests, repeated uh, violations of that, a booster, paying off players and Syracuse staff members uh, for being at a YMCA and giving them money in cash. Uh, I mean, it's academic impropriety that dates back, obviously, to Fab Mello at the very least. So we've got a number of things here. And listen, I don't want to get into like all the nitty gritty, but... If you look at the report, and it's linked on our site in our news story, I mean, when you've got the Syracuse Dobo, the director of basketball operations, knowing players' passwords, and really, I mean, it was down to a science there. Um, they clearly, you know, there was— our Dennis Dodd called Syracuse kind of a rogue program over the past 15 years, and no matter how much Beheim will will deny some of that, it, it's kind of undeniable when you look at what the incident lay covered.
0: No, I mean, the violations here are wide-ranging, um, They cover much of a decade, which covers a significant portion of a Hall of Fame career. Like, that's the other thing that gets lost in this. This isn't like, you know, Bruce Pearl had a cookout once. I mean, you know, this is for basically 10 years, at least. uh, You know, Jim Boeheim was running a program that cared uh, very little, if at all, about NCAA rules. And sort of what I wrote in at least one aspect of the column I filed is that you know, at some point it doesn't matter what we think of the NCAA and what we think of the NCAA's rules. The NCAA exists and it does have rules and you have to, you have to follow them or else. And so I can't feel sorry for Jim or Syracuse or anybody connected to that program outside of the kids who won't be allowed to play in this season's NCAA tournament because of no fault of, of their own. But this was wide ranging and egregious. And, um, you know, they deserve whatever they got. Now, uh, I, I, where I guess I could see both sides of it. The idea that they get to keep that final that championship banner seems a little silly to me. Like uh, I don't know why that's that's where the NCAA drew the line. I think that's wrong, and I think any intelligent person would have a hard time convincing me otherwise. Um, or or any dumb person for that matter. I, I don't think anybody could convince me. It, it's it's a little uh, whatever. You roll your eyes at the idea that that they start the timeline. For for all of this, right after that championship was won. On the other hand, I do think they got hammered, at least relative to what we've seen with other yeah. programs. You know that a Hall of Fame coach is going to have to miss half the conference season, and whatever that doesn't really have a lasting effect. The wins vacated doesn't really have a lasting effect. Those scholarship reductions, and Sam, you can speak to this. I think are going to have a lasting effect for obvious ways and then for some ways that I don't think others have maybe considered quite yet and I got into this a little bit in the column I'll explain clearly in some ways like you operating with just 10 scholarship players for 4 years starting you know in two thousand and sixteen and going through two thousand and twenty presumably uh, means that you can't afford recruiting misses. every program misses they in at Syracuse suddenly you're not going to be able to afford recruiting misses. You're not going to be able to cast a net that's nearly as wide any sort of injuries like it's going to be difficult for Jim Bayheim to keep that program relevant with nationally relevant with these scholarship reductions. The other interesting thing to all of this is that. You know unless we think Jim beheim's gonna go coach to a seventy six years old um at some possible. point <laughs> I guess it's possible but I think unlikely like I'd yeah, bet I bet i you know if you gave me five hundred dollars and said bet it one way or the other I would say retired by seventy six so uh, but clearly possible either way let's for, you know the sake of the conversation assume that that beheim's gonna retire before twenty twenty and Syracuse is gonna have to figure out what to do they have, now have two options the plan all along has been to
2: uh, just the point pro- I was going to bring
0: up. Yeah, the, the plan all along is just to promote Mike Hopkins, right? He's the associate head coach. He's always been next in line there. But can you really promote um, a guy who has very clearly been, at, in, on some level, in, right in the middle of a program that didn't, you know, that 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 played outside of the rule structure so recklessly for the better part of a decade? Like, I, I mean, I you can. I know you can, but. You know, given like, will a president really go that direction if Syracuse is operating with a new athletic director whenever this goes down? And that certainly seems possible as well. Would a new AD say, you know what, let's get a clean break from the Jim Bayheim era? Are we going to promote, you know, a coach from his staff who was, you know, in the middle of all of this stuff that we're now in trouble with? I, I just think it's for the first time ever, or uh, let me rephrase, I, I think it's now more uncertain than ever which direction Syracuse will actually go when Jim Boeheim retires. The idea that it will be definitely Mike Hopkins doesn't, I don't know that that's clear anymore for all of the reasons that I just stated. So let's say that they don't go in that direction. Let's say they don't go toward Mike Hopkins for all of the reasons I, I just laid out. Then you've got to conduct a national search to hire a coach. And who wants to A, replace an icon at a school that isn't necessarily built to maintain success regardless of the coach. I mean, you ever been to Syracuse? There ain't a whole lot of players just popping around right there. Secondly, who's going to walk, what reputable, desirable candidate is going to willingly walk into a place with only 10 scholarships for the foreseeable future, or at least for a year or two? I just think that the, the thing that goes unnoticed here by some is that, um, it, assuming Syracuse has to replace Jim Behan at some point before 2020, uh, and, they go, and they go away from Mike Hopkins, the list of candidates is going to be vastly different than it other otherwise would have been. Sam, do you disagree with that?
2: Well, yeah, and I was also going to mention that you know Hopkins was close to leaving each of the last two years, if I'm not mistaken. He and you know was what? Considered I, for the USC job, and right. he was considered for the Oregon State job. Like right. he might not want to stay at this point either. Well, like he let, calls his home and everything. Yeah, but, no,
0: no, let me let me stop you right quick. Okay, he he couldn't get USC. He wanted USC and couldn't get it. yeah. Um, the other one was Oregon state. Is that right? Yeah. Washington state, Oregon state. Okay. One of those. Yeah. Okay. One of those, I think he could have got it uh, or something. I don't know, but I was of the opinion then like, dude, you don't take that kind of losing situation Mm -hmm. to try to get a better job after that, because you're already going to have the better job at Syracuse. In hindsight, he probably should have bounced because, um, now his name just being connected to this stuff is going to make you a less attractive candidate. And if you can't get the Syracuse job now because of all this stuff, he could find himself in a tough situation. And I like Mike, but uh, this, this what happened today is a bad thing for the future of his head coaching possibilities, I think.
2: Yeah, it is, definitely. I, I totally agree with you there. This It puts the entire program in kind of a place of limbo right now because all of these scholarships are Killers, I think. Not only that, but also going into next year, I don't believe that they can go after Thomas Bryant anymore. Right. Because you have to have—I'm pretty sure there has to be a financial aid agreement in place already with the recruits that you have, if you're going over the uh, over the whatever the ten scholarships that they can have, and that's how you extend the extend the uh, period out to 2016-2017 instead of it starting in 2015-2016. So. That's going to hurt them immediately because Thomas Bryant's top thirty recruit in the country right now, and he's a McDonald's All-American and he's a terrific player. But like you said, you cannot miss in recruiting at this point. Like you have to nail every single one of your recruits, and that's an awfully difficult thing to do. Plus, you're going to obviously have these guys that are no longer able to go out whenever you only have two coaches going out to recruit. And I know that like over the past couple off seasons, you've had Hopkins and Bayheim who have been involved in USA basketball and their time has been a little bit limited as far as recruiting, but now you certainly only have two coaches that are able to go out and recruit. And that's really going to limit your presence on a national scale. I think,
1: I think you're right. Um, I I think those are are huge factors. I also think that if you're the kind of candidate that would be, a guy Syracuse would want to look at, uh, period. Now you look at the culture there, you don't even want to be the guy that replaces Beheim. one, because of his legend status, but two, because of the taint that's around that program. So I I do think it's going to be really interesting to see what Syracuse becomes in the next decade. Uh, Can it maintain its status... When it went to the ACC, it was kind of clearly a top four, at worst top five program in that conference. Can it be a top eight program if we fast forward six years from now? That That is very much in doubt right now. And the thing with this case in this investigation and this story and everything that's around with it is that since it's so wide ranging and since there were clearly violations in play, the NCAA in a lot of ways protected itself except for obviously missing the championship. And I'm not even sure if necessarily the championship should have been taken away. I don't even have a firm opinion on that right now. But here we have a case where People are looking at the academic impropriety as one section of it and now trying to spin it forward to UNC. And we don't need to go too deep into UNC. But I will say, because Syracuse got hammered here, it doesn't necessarily give us a keen insight on what's going to happen with Carolina, when that's going to happen, because that is Only, as far as we can tell, with an ongoing investigation related to academic impropriety. And right now, the NCAA said today, they're going to have broader discussions in the coming months on that. We don't know when those discussions are going to happen, when legislation is going to take place, and if that will even correlate with the North Carolina investigation. So for fans that, you know, happen to be Duke fans and are seeing that Syracuse is taken down and they're waiting for UNC... Just know that it could get bad for North Carolina, and I know a lot of people think that a banner will come down, and that would, I believe, be the first time ever that a championship banner has been taken down at a program by the NCAA. Um, if that did happen, um, it would be massive, but there's no guarantee with that right now. This case doesn't directly correlate to that one, um, and more than anything, I I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Beheim does here because you know I joke with GP about him retiring at 76 or not, like. I don't know Jim Beheim super well. I've interviewed him, you know, God knows how many times and whatnot. But for from those who like really know him and been around him for decades, like apparently the dude is just so content with having a family life, but making it about basketball, coaching till he can't coach anymore. I don't know if this impacts it or not. I don't know if this really fuels the fire inside of him and makes him say, "Screw this! I'm gonna coach another ten years because I can and because this won't keep me down." I don't know. I'm in, I'm intrigued by what he's going to do going forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, like who who knows? He has been uh, peppered with retirement questions literally for years and rejected them every single time. I, I just think 2020 is a, that's a pretty good ways off, you know, like, um, and most, most like, who's the last guy to coach to 76? I mean, get a number on it, right? Oh
1: man. I don't know. I, I I'm just Bill saying. Bill Snyder
0: in football. I,
1: I, 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 I couldn't even tell you. And I do, by the way, just a side note, like I bet you this really Ticks him off that he's not going to get a thousand, like, I, like he all was sure. right there, and it was kind of like him and K. And I know vacated wins, like there's, there's something to how lame that can be. But the fact is, like officially, like he's now six instead of second all time, and, and he, I guess he's trailing. I guess he's you know Jim Calhoun just took the lead on Jim Beheim, and he hasn't coached a game in two and a half years or whatever, which is just crazy <laughs> to me. Well, but um,
0: uh, my, yeah, my whole thing is uh, like he used to get pepper. Jim did with hey, when are you going to retire? Like, is it going to be by seven? Like, the, the idea was, would he retire by 70 or 71? Like, now the question becomes 76. And I'll tell you this, there's nobody 76 years old coaching Division one basketball right now. So if we're assuming he's going to ride these sanctions out, what we're assuming is that he will be coaching at an age that literally nobody else in the country is coaching at right now. That's why I say unlikely, but also yeah. acknowledge, um, you know, I, I acknowledge who knows. Um, still, to me... Uh, you know, all of the, all of this stuff matters. I would say that, you know, not having people on the road didn't seem to hurt Auburn and B- Bruce Pearl this, this past summer with this recruiting class too much. So I think you can actually navigate that. Um, but but the scholarship reductions over, you know, a four year period. I just think I just think that that is what cripples you as a program, because we can all and I've already got some people on Twitter saying, hey, you only need seven or eight guys to play. So like 10 scholarships is plenty. It's plenty if a you you hit every dude and b nobody ever gets hurt or runs into academic issues. Uh, The problem, of course, is that that is a pretend world where unicorns also live. Uh, You never you don't hit like Duke. John Calipari can basically have his pick of guys. Even he misses every once in a while. You know, um, you know, Roy, Roy Williams misses every once in a while. Mike Shishovsky misses every once in a while. And so, in theory, sure you can get. But like in in the real world, the 10 Scholar, like the nine game suspension for Jim, that'll be over in early February. It'll, it 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 might not even have any obviously tangible effect maybe i don't know i, I don't mean, know if I mean, that's it could, them it could but whatever like it'll be oh it'll, i'm just saying it'll start we'll all go oh tonight's the night syracuse doesn't play you know syracuse has to play yeah. a game without jim Beheim. and then you know uh four weeks later we'll say okay that was over you know this is something <laughs> yeah, that you. might a this is something that will a quite literally last four years and b could have a major impact on the type of guy syracuse ultimately gets to replace jim Beheim. And if you miss, it's one thing to miss on a recruit, try missing on your replacement for Jim Beheim, then see what happens. That's why I'm yeah. saying if if you'll connect all these dots with me, if the scholarship reduction could theoretically l- limit the candidate pool that Syracuse can reasonably expect to hire to replace Jim Beheim, uh, then it could, you know, lead to you hiring somebody you would otherwise wouldn't have to hire, which could lead to you making a bad hire, which could, you know, hinder you for a decade. I, I, I recognize I'm connecting a whole lot of dots. But but those dots aren't too far apart.
1: No, they, they are. Yeah, they're totally uh,
2: reasonable dots.
1: No, they are. Um, tell you, it's been a, it's been an amazing start to the month for college basketball between all these articles being written about how the sport is unwatchable and needs to be fixed, and you've got Cliff Alexander's ongoing issue at Kansas. You've got Chris Jones being accused of rape. You've got Rashid Suleiman being accused of sexual assault. Um, and you've got this. I mean – I couldn't be more ready for the conference tournaments, guys.
0: I know well, the conference tournaments are actually going on uh you know they uh, they they have started, but they are completely overshadowed, like you know the number eight team in the country played earlier today uh and like i i honestly as I'm sitting here right now, I don't even know the score like it, like, if, do you know if Wichita State won or not? I mean, like, no, I, I,
2: that—that's my. I know point. they were pulling away at one point. Okay, but, so,
0: but like, was. like Wichita State could have been upset in its NBC opener, and I just wouldn't have known because I've, you know, I, I think yeah. all of us have been like totally submerged in this Syracuse stuff. And I, I will uh, just real quickly wrap it back around to North Carolina for a second because uh, you, there's a lot of this going around on Twitter. Hey, if you're gonna hammer Syracuse, you know, is North Carolina just gonna, you know, skate free? What people and you mentioned this Norlander, but it bears repeating. What people need to understand about the North Carolina situation is it's on. It's an ongoing investigation. It is um, the NCAA is in. You know they're 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 investigating it, so they say. But it is ongoing, which means you know they're, they're, we're a long ways off from the North Carolina stuff. We
1: could we could be so long. I mean, this Syracuse <laughs> right. investigation, according to Syracuse, right.
0: was the longest in the
1: history of the NCAA. And, 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 Carolina, in my opinion, is just as complex. So we could, I, I, I once thought we would, we would have an answer by 2015. I'm not, I'm not convinced of that anymore. No.
0: And so I guess the point I was trying to make is if you're Roy Williams, you're looking at this and you're worried. Honestly, if you're Roy Williams, you probably never have to worry about, you have to worry about, you know, your reputation being tarnished additionally, and maybe losing one of your national titles. But the idea that L- Roy Williams would ever be hit with, say, a, a, a nine-game suspension for ACC games, my guess would be by the time we could even get to that point, uh, Roy will be playing golf on the weekends.
2: Yeah, that's a good guess. And also another thing about the UNC investigation, won't it be under, like, a different set of rules? Because this CSU's yes. thing ended up being, like, subject to, an to like, the older rules before they were put in in 2013 Uh As far as you get like a specific number of postseason ban years, you get a specific number of scholarships lost, whereas the UNC one will fall under this all-encompassing newer thing. So there's not really a whole lot to take away from this one, I think, in comparison to the UNC one.
0: Uh, Real quick before we get out of here, um, because we all have things going on. Uh, Norlander's got some uh, uh, previous appointments. I've got to catch a plane. I'm still in New York, by the way. I was supposed to be out of New York. What's today? (laughs) Is (laughs) it Friday? I was supposed to be home I, yesterday morning at like nine a.m. and now if I'm lucky, like if I'm lucky, I'll be uh, home by like midnight tonight. And then of course turn them right around and come back. How'd York. you like? Well, how'd you like seeing that that airplane landing at LaGuardia? I'm sure Ooh. you were all too eager. To yeah, like I'm as soon, as soon as we get through with this, I'm actually headed to LaGuardia on a Delta flight. So like, wish me uh. uh. luck. I hope they've handled the runways. Uh, since then, that is scary, man. The nose was hanging over the East River, and that—that's a Delta flight from Atlanta to Laguardia. Like I've taken that flight, a hun- like not a hundred times, ten times. Like that is yep. a nor that that exact flight is a normal flight for me. There would have been nothing too crazy about me being on that plane. So it was a, it was a mess. But before we get out of here, um, any like we've said nothing about this weekend, and this is the last weekend of the regular season. Anything Norlander interest you at all?
1: Well, we've got we've got a few things. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interest here and we got about 5 or 6 minutes to hit on it. Um I'll kind of just run down my thoughts here and you guys can can bounce off it. Uh Duke North Carolina, Duke needs to win to stay in a one-seed hunt. Uh Kansas could be in some serious trouble if it loses at Oklahoma. I just think that their sea line could take a hit. Even though it's a road game, they're really flirting with danger here. Um, Virginia winning at Louisville to stay in the one seed hunt. they got to be there. Indiana, if it loses to Michigan State, a lot of people, including Palm, think Indiana is in no matter what. It can lose out. It can lose this game and lose the first Big Ten tournament game. I can't go there. If I if IU were to lose that game and drop its first uh, conference tournament game, I think they'd be in some big-time trouble, but that's – Kind of one you want to keep your eye on um l s u has a road game at arkansas l s u in my opinion is not definitely in they're the most up and down team in college troops. I think they're so unpredictable they kind of need that one to just lock themselves in overall. Those are the Saturday games that kind of that stick out to me more than anything. As for Sunday, it's a lighter slate. Um, Wisconsin needs to win at Ohio State to stay in the one seed you would think. Uh, it's kind of a slow day overall outside of conference tournament play. Uh, Cincinnati is basically in. If it were to lose at home, it might have some issues. But Saturday is the is the huge day, and we'll still have seed movement here. Um, bubble teams are going to – these are the final road games, and so they mean more to the committee than the tournament unless you make a run to the championship game and you get hot and you just add big wins. But they value road wins, and so for the bubble teams on the road – this is a this is a huge spot for a few of them.
0: Yeah, to me, like listen, we got bubble teams playing, and we got you know d- you know schools trying to stay in contention for one seed. That's all pretty typical basketball stuff. To me, the most interesting thing is is Tom Crean at home. Like I I I actually, you look at the resume, you can reasonably see how they could make the field even if they lose out. I, I don't think Jerry's too far crazy, you know, suggesting that. But like Tom's up against it. Like the fans have turned in a pretty significant way. Doyle, our old colleague, has detailed this. You know, uh, uh, perfectly in the Indianapolis Star. I mean, that that is a man at a top ten job in the country. I think coaching for his career right now, and so I, I you know, and John Calipari is chasing perfection. You know, uh, yeah. other, other guys are chasing one seats. Tom Crean probably has more at stake uh, than any other coach in America this weekend. Is that fair? Uh, I think
1: I
2: that's
0: fair. I mean, Sam, didn't you come upon the site that you sent me yesterday?
1: The I'm sorry, what? The Tom Crean site? Did you? Did
2: you? Are you the one that's? Oh that? yeah, there's a there's a <laughs> right, I saw buyout this. site out there that's counting down the days until July 1st, where his buyout goes down to seven million dollars.
0: Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit like the new version of FireCoachX.com. Like you know, yeah. once once that gets started, you are you're up against it, and and once it once the fans turn on you in this way, it is hard to get it back. In fact, I'm not sure if you can get it back. In fact, if I were Tom Crean, even if I could survive this year, I might start looking um, at, at maybe trying to bounce, um, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, the dude, little lost little it. Frank Hayes doing, I would, I would be, I might seriously look at doing a Frank Hayes. No, no,
1: or or, no or your man, Oliver Purnell. I mean, that's, that's definitely, Purnell. that's his move. Dude, and Oliver, say,
0: Oliver Purnell and Frank Hayes should, t- should teach a damn seminar at the final four on yep. the coaching profession, how to know when to get out before, before they get you. Because, um, Even if Tom gets in the tournament and, you know, anything short of like an Elite Eight Final Four, he'll, he'll enter next season, even if he can keep his job, he'll enter next season with the same type of pressure, and that's just a hard way to live.
1: I, I I agree. Um, you had fans. Listen, Brad Stevens is not coming to Bloomington. We've touched this on the podcast plenty of times. are not getting into that. But they're chanting Brad Stevens yeah. after they lost to Iowa at home on Tuesday. Uh, you would think the chance and booze will get even worse if they drop a second straight. Actually, it will be a third straight home game because they lost to Purdue in state yeah. rival. And, you know, Hoosiers fans hate that. Uh, before we close out, can we get, can we get a double pr- uh, prediction here from Sam, though, from Sam, any games? Sam, I nailed
2: them all last weekend.
0: I can't yeah. win any bets ever again.
2: And I nailed three of four this week, and viewers got it. I right. was hey, shocked. hey, 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 stop,
0: stop living in the past, all right? We're talking about this <laughs> weekend. What do you got?
2: Um, I think I'm going to go Oklahoma. Over Kansas, okay. Yeah, I assume that'll be like a three-point line or so. I would say Oklahoma because Perry Ellis might not play. Oklahoma's so over, okay. see how that's going to happen. I don't see how that's going to work out well for Kansas. And then I guess that we're going to have to – Which which game do you want me to pick? Duke, North Carolina, or Virginia, Louisville? Pick Duke uh, Carolina.
1: No, don't want you to. Pick, I mean, no one who. I, there's no way you're picking Louisville. Duke UNC. Actually, yeah, Duke UNC. That's that's kind of an interesting one. What do you I,
2: think? I mean, I assume that Duke will be. or I assume it's going to be like a them or so. Maybe North Carolina minus one. Um, I, I'll go Duke. Duke. Uh, I have no reason to go Duke. I think that they just are a better team. Yeah, I, got, I got think UNC away.
0: wins that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you guys can uh, wager your salaries on it and I will watch <laughs> <No>. <laughs> from
2: a, a distance. There is no There's chance.
0: All right. Let's get out underrated of here. A, I, underrated a big salary. game.
2: All right. Big I got game it. this weekend is Butler-Providence because it's for the second seed in the Big East tournament, I believe. I like Butler and Providence.
0: I like both of those teams. I, hey, I said the other night on TV that Ladante Hinton and Chris Dunn are the type of dudes that we could look up and it, they're in the Elite Eight and it wouldn't surprise me at all. I Someone asked I,
2: me last night who my uh, like seven uh, seed or lower Sleeper was and I said Providence. I like Providence.
0: I, I just think when you got two dudes like that, like you can look up and be in the Elite Eight and go, okay, okay, man, they're balling up. That makes sense. So yeah, Providence is my dark horse Elite Eight of pick, but whatever. All right, we'll pay. We'll pay attention to Butler Providence this weekend. I got to go to the airport. Norlander's got to do stuff. Sam, you just like chill on the West Coast, and we will catch up on, <laughs> um, on Monday. Right, Remember, su- right. subscribe on the Ion College Basketball to the Ion College Basketball podcast at iTunes. Quickest way to get the uh, most recent edition. So go do, do go do that, and then uh, regardless, we're going to talk again on Monday. Take care.